Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-hosts, the pet experts themselves. First to my left, Mr. Rick Pruce from Pruce Pets. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Lee Cohen. Hey, it's good to see you here this week. And Dr. Will Schultz, uh, retired now uh, from Schultz Veterinary, but still very active. Welcome back, Doc. Good morning, guys. Hey, let's talk teeth today. Well, we're going to Let's and I wanted this. and I wanted to start by asking you a question, doc, because as someone who practices as a veterinarian for a very long time, it occurs to me that the gentleman we're going to talk with today, Dr. Ben Colmery, who has been a vet dental expert since before anyone knew what it was. Right. Uh, he was doing that, but it occurred to me that it seemed weird that a lot of veterinarians really didn't do a lot in terms of dental care along the way. And it, it just – I didn't understand the relationship because my thought would be that Dr. Calmery would be someone who gets referrals when something is very complicated or in-depth and a regular de- – kind of like when I go to my regular dentist, he diagnoses I need exactly. a root canal and he sends me to a root canal expert in order to do that. But that doesn't seem like that was what was happening in vets. It, it gradually did, though. But yeah. as we got out of school, we were just— Tell us uh, the journey. Yeah. Tell us the journey. Yeah, yeah, so the journey started just scaling their teeth, and we never polished afterwards. So when you scale teeth with a hand scaler, like your dental hygienist does, um, you're leaving rough spots on the teeth. And so if you just scale and send them home, they're going to build up the plaque and the tartar faster than they did before, before. you did it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're, you're actually not helping them. And so dentistry was barely taught in veterinary school. It wasn't one of the big deals. But now we know it's a huge factor in the dog's lifetime. It's a huge factor in their, in their full body health, just like in humans. And so it's, it's now gone where most of the clinics have full dental units in their clinic. And some practitioners do the work that Ben does, but, and most of them either can't or don't have the time. But some of the stuff that Dr. Comery does is timely and has to be done better. So that's like if you've got teeth problems, do they send you to a periodontist uh, from your normal cleaning? And so that's the truth. So some of these dogs um, that need root canals, some of the um, working dogs especially, they need their canine teeth. If they damage teeth in the back of their mouth, it's not as big an issue except a big issue for pain, discomfort, and infection. But they need the canine teeth to do for bite work. And so some of those teeth go to him, and they do root canals on those teeth and put crowns, and they can put gold or, you know, like uh, titanium crowns on these teeth, which is if I'm a bad guy and I see that smile that looks like a grill coming at me, I'm going <laughs> to run. That's the whole – and we've had a few of those in the clinic, and the, and the trainer will go, they'll throw the ball to the dog, and all you see, you see is this, all these little metal mouths. And it's like the, the guy that was on the James Bond movie that was chewing oh, yeah. through. Jaws. Jaws, yeah. <laughs> and you go like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good, yeah. Uh, well, and Rick, I'm sure over the years talking to Dr. Calmery as we have, 
that as a pet store owner, it's made you really think about what products you carry and what products you don't because, frankly, there isn't an instruction book of what to carry. Your your job is to intuitively figure out what makes sense, what works in positive ways, and it's got to have impacted you over the years. For sure. And the biggest problem is that people come in with a strong sense of energy of what they want. And oftentimes what they want can be counterproductive <laughs> to what they should get. Uh, exactly. Dr. Comrie always warns us against things that are really, really hard like antlers and other and even nylobones. Uh, so uh, there's what we carry on the shelf and there's what we recommend. Right. And, 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 those, and, and as they bring that up, some dogs can be careful with those hard chew toys and not yeah. damage their teeth. Yeah. And you have to be completely aware of that. And we were talking yeah. about larger dogs that do that a little stronger bite and they'll fracture it too. So if you're seeing you're getting wear on the dog's teeth, it's time to change. And, oh, but they love the treat. Find something else they love. Protect their mouth. That's your job. Well, it's it's an interesting topic, and it's one that a lot of people seem to be getting more in tune with. It's funny because I've seen in your store and in other pet stores where it used to be a little tiny niche. No, no. And, and now yeah, it's, it's becoming a whole— It's exploded. Yeah. It's yeah. a big deal. I'm, and your yeah. pet will live longer with a clean mouth. Yeah. No question about yeah. it. Well, I give credit to Dr. Colmery because, again, he's been putting out the shout for dental care on animals yeah. Yeah. forever. He's the and grandfather. He is. And uh, we're grateful to have him. And we are going to talk to him the rest of the show today, right here on 1320 WILS. Hey, got some ideas for a show? Questions? Maybe suggestions? Just email us, mmpets at 1320wils.com. Or message us on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash mmpets. Welcome back to the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show, your number one source for information on taking care of your pets. Here are your hosts, Rick Proust and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And Rick and Doc, we have with us on the line a returning guest. He seems to join us every year in February. Maybe that has something to do with it being Vet Dental Month. And since we've got one of the pioneers, I've, I've often joked that when Moses was wearing short pants, uh, Dr. Colmery was around working on wow. animals' teeth. But we've got Dr. Ben Colmery from the Dixboro Hospital in Ann Arbor. Welcome back, Doctor. Thank you. Glad to be back. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you back. Uh, to begin with, uh, let's talk about you getting an attaboy because there's something I want to bring up, and frankly, it's a mistake that I think your entire industry had been making for a long time. You've been shouting like a boy in the woods that the mouth matters, the mouth matters, the mouth matters. And now they're finally figuring out, you know, all of a sudden a lot of the heart problems, a lot of the health problems, all of a sudden keeping teeth clean seems to matter after years of you saying, wait a minute, flip the lips. How did you how did you finally get it done? What was it that you did that made it all of a sudden become a big deal? I think it's just repetition and the fact that they got tired of me saying it and they decided to take a take a look at it and see if there was any merit to what I was saying. Yeah, that's great. And it, and it worked. Yeah, it 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 is. It's it's pretty compelling and I think the other thing that happens too is that 
uh, get a lot of internal medicine people that will send me diabetic animals and uh, those with chronic problems. And if they have horrible mouths and you get the mouth under control, uh, a lot of the diabetes becomes a lot easier to maintain uh, and regulate and renal disease and, and liver disease and all. You know, they never go back to normal, but they'll get a heck of a lot better as far as uh, being able to manage them. And I think there's enough track record now of critters that have fallen into those patterns that they'll say, wait a minute, you know, maybe there is something to this. Yeah, and it's the okay. same thing. In human medicine, it's the same way. If you're, yeah. part of your body's not healthy, the rest of the body just doesn't want to keep going. Can, Absolutely. Can you, um, for the listeners, help connect those two a little bit more solidly as far as understanding that connection, like diabetes and a mouth problem? That I don't think that the average person is going to immediately just come up with that conclusion. How does it all relate? Sure. What happens uh, is that every time that animal eats, bacteria enter into the bloodstream. And sometimes they will be eliminated pretty quickly. And Joe Harari and I at MSU a long time ago did a study that identified uh, some of these patients will have a bacteria in the bloodstream for an hour and a half after they eat. So that plates puts a tremendous stress on the animal's immune system and body. And so what happens is defense mechanisms are centered around dealing with the bacteria and not necessarily the other physiologic parameters that are you know, normal daily maintenance things. So it's that inflammatory cascade that happens with setting the animal's body into panic mode with all those bacteria and the adrenal glands kick in and all the, the defense mechanisms kick in, which just really screws up. Uh, the utilization of insulin and regulating blood glucose. Yeah, your body's trying to control something that it shouldn't have to deal with. And then it's happening exactly. every day. Right. Yeah, exactly. Three times exactly. maybe. Yeah, at least three times. <laughs> with day. dogs and cats, maybe all day long. Yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. And it's just in the same context uh, with renal disease, uh, it's the same thing. You have an animal whose kidneys are pretty bad shape and it's, battling bacteria, well, guess what? The, the kidneys are a filtering organ as the liver, and so guess where those bacteria cycle through? And the kidneys take one look at all these bacteria and they say, what the heck are you doing here? And it's, it's a continuous battle. And when you reduce that bacterial load and that inflammatory cascade, the kidneys say, thank you, as well as the liver. Hmm. Yeah, and do you find... Um, certain breeds of dogs and cats where you see more issues with this? Well, yeah, I think it, it boils down to gene pools as well. I tell clients that choose your parents wisely. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that you can do with pets. It's a little difficult for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, because, yeah, there, there are certain uh, uh, gene pools that can be uh, pretty gnarly. Uh, certainly the small breed dogs tend to have more of a problem than larger breed dogs as a rule because you're trying to cram 42 teeth in a tiny little face where there just isn't room for them. And so you have all these areas of anatomy where food gets trapped uh, between uh, uh, tooth crowns and uh, all these little, little landmines uh, that are happening. Whereas in you know, larger dogs uh, where they have plenty of space between their teeth, it tends not to be quite as much of a problem. But then as soon as I say that, uh, there'll be 
some dogs that'll come in, and you know, I hate to indict breeds because as soon as I do, your phone's going to ring off the hook. Absolutely. Uh, uh, but it's you know, there there's some gene pools that where I'll see and to name a breed, just like for instance, Maltese. Oh, there's some of them are great and they're awesome dogs, and then there are other gene pools that are that are not so good, and uh, they end up being toothless wonders by the time they're five, six years of age. Absolutely. So, uh, but it, well, if you're if you're thinking about an animal, let's say you are thinking about a Maltese, obviously seeing the parents would be the first step in order. Yes, yeah, good yes, call. Absolutely. Yeah, good and, call. And the, the, you know the the uh, I'm sure Dr. Schultz can speak greater to this than I, but but the, really the conscientious breeders take you know appreciate these problems and they'll do their darndest to create healthy mouths and, and healthy gene pools and uh, and uh, and the backyard breeders that you know trying to make a buck and make some babies and you know the proverbial puppy mills uh, you know those are the ones you got to stay away from because uh, who knows what's going on with them and you know puppies are cute and everybody loves them and then they're 10, 11, 12, 14 months of age, and wait a minute, what's up with all of this? Yeah, yeah, they, they all start with really beautiful teeth when they're little. They just got to grow up a little ways. But we yeah. saw that in our practice with a couple of the toy breeds that um, one breeder would have uh, a little, I would just not name the breed, but they'd have little toys that would, at 12, 13 years old, they still have all their teeth in their mouth. And another breeder of the same breed, at five or six years old, they've got three teeth left. Yeah, and, exactly. And Absolutely. No question it's a genetic issue in those dogs. Hmm. Absolutely. A yeah. thousand percent agreed. And, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, sometimes the breed clubs will make a giant mistake having me come and talk to their group. Uh, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've got, I've run into the same problem now. And then. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, uh, you know, but, you know, the conscientious ones pay attention because, you know, the pet owners get a little annoyed when they're spending lots of bucks on vet bills, uh, where the, you know, their next door neighbor has, as you said, a same breed, different breeder, and, uh, and their mouths are fine. And, and, and dentistry isn't free. I mean, it, 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 it's a lot of work. And in humans that don't know it, we have to have these dogs completely under anesthesia to do a proper job. Absolutely. And, and well, there, that's the thing. Yeah, and there are now some areas they allow, uh, like, groomers to do it, but the problem is the dog's awake, and you can't get to their molars. You can't get to the back teeth. You can't get subgingival. And subgingival is the tartar that's under the gums for people. And you have to clean that out of their mouth, or what have you just done last two, three weeks, and everything's back again? Yeah. Well, yeah, and the other aspect, too, is radiology. Uh, you have to have x-rays to see what's going on and what's happening below the gum line and the tip of the tooth roots and that sort of thing. If I had Superman X-ray vision, it'd be pretty cool. Be I could great. do that well, when they're awake. And, and but what? damn, I didn't get that superpower. And so people yeah. need to understand that we call what groomers do tooth grooming. You know, you can get Basically, teeth yeah. groomed, but that's yeah. not periodontal therapy. Right. And, yeah. the, and the other thing is, and that people have to understand, you, you aren't going to do this even in the calmest dog. You can't take dental X-rays awake in that dog. Oh no! I mean, and, and, and now it's mostly digital everywhere, and that little sensor is three or four grand. And in a human, you put it in the mouth, which I just went in recently, and they go like, "Oh yeah, just you know, hold this shut." No, no, the dog, you, they're going to eat it, and, and it's mm-hmm. going to be gone. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, right. and so they yeah. wonder why why my dog uh, dental prophylaxis costs more than the human. Well, you know, they didn't put you under anesthetic. They didn't have to do that with you. They didn't have to run blood work ahead of time. And so <laughs> exactly. there, there's no, a big difference that people have to understand. I bet, I bet a dentist or two wish they could. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed. Oh, that. <laughs> Guaranteed. Now, oh, I, yeah. I, I have a question. I, I was thinking, you know, with hip dispensation, and then there's certain, like, uh, certifications a dog would have or the parents would have that the, right. the purchaser yeah, would look at. Do that with there's nothing. There's nothing that would would resemble that in the dental world, is yeah. there? Yeah, the only difference is a couple breeds you have to count teeth, like Rottweilers have to have a full right. full set. But in some of the toy breeds, we had Mark Yeager on recently. He's a show judge and has raised uh, Brussels Griffons. And now to check their bites, they just they don't even open the mouth on those little breeds because their teeth are so crooked. They just want to make sure that they either have a <laughs> level or an underbite, and that's all they care about. Right. Yeah, which that, does, which, exactly which right. yeah, which is a frustration. Well, I have a question, uh, Dr. Colmery. What about the dogs that have like the flat faces? Uh, I would imagine that having to breathe through their mouths more so than their oh. snouts would make a difference and would affect teeth. Is that the case, or am I imagining things? Well, it's job security for veterinary dentists. <laughs> and for those little dogs are job security for all veterinarians. <laughs> yes, exactly yeah. right. Uh, it's yeah, it's a conundrum. Uh, yeah, they're cute and all that sort of business. The problem that you get into, and one in yesterday that's going to have to come in to get its soft palate shortened down because okay. the poor thing can hardly breathe, and uh, and you get crowding in the maxilla because those, it's like an accordion; those teeth are all jammed together. And the upper arcade, and so it's a matter of uh, you know getting a, a lot of the small premolars out of there and just seeing the deck that you're dealt. And with all that mouth breathing that happens, I think that's one of the predisposing factors, not the definitive cause, but a contributory factor to the gingival hyperplasia and all that excessive yeah. gingival growth because it's just chronic irritation. And, and, and it gets dried out. Right, and what people will understand is gingival hyperplasia is this, it looks like you're growing growths all over the gums and the mouth, and eventually that tissue will get so big it'll actually cover part of the dentin and the tooth. And so oh, I mean enamel. So the enamel is covered. So your dog looks like it has little tiny teeth when in certain breeds that we see that in, uh, you have to go in and remove all of that gingival tissue. And then their, their, their mouth looks like a puppy again. But that it's mm. a, it pockets and it keeps infection going, and mm. it's just a nightmare. And a lot of people don't recognize it until they show it's shown by the veterinarian. Exactly. What what yeah, can that, somebody that, well, well what can somebody when they are home look for? Yeah. Like, well, you like, look all of a sudden you see shorter teeth. It looks like God. That's and then the gums have big bumps on them. You know, you'll see sometimes mm -hmm. it's just a single lump up in the front or the back. But that's why you need to open your dog's mouth and take a look at it every now yeah, and then. Yeah. Well, it also in differentiating that between oral cancers and right. that sort, and that's where the veterinarian comes in and uh, and. You know, there are certain patterns that are pretty typical uh, that are kind of no-brainers, and then there are other patterns that are, can be very worrisome. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it's, you know, the hyperplastic tissue is predisposed to brachycephalic breeds, and, and it is a positive feedback cycle. And what I tell uh, people is denial is not a river in Egypt. Uh, mm -hmm. It will continue. And yeah. uh, and if you don't address it, uh, it's going to be a disaster area. Yeah, absolutely. And and the chewing and everything else doesn't seem to be a big factor with it. It's just it's in these breeds. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then, and then and that's the other thing with the they're called brachycephalic breeds out of the flat-nosed dogs, and they have airway disease rampant in those breeds, and, and many of them require surgery by the time they're six to ten months old to breathe normally. Where, where oh, absolutely. Yeah. When you say airway breathing problem, just from the well, they're, they're, mouth area. Yeah, they they like a human. They they're snoring. They're gagging. They're they they can't run. They have to stop. But when they're playing, they can't continue playing because they can. Mm-hmm. They're snorting when they're breathing. You can you can listen to it and and you hear it and it sounds gurgly. I mean, it, it, it's a very unpleasant sound. But they are cute dogs. But they are. (laughs) We're talking this morning with Dr. Ben Colmery from the Dixborough Veterinary Dental Hospital in Ann Arbor. And Dr. Colmery, we need to take our first break. But when we come back, uh, I'd like to shift the conversation, at least briefly, to the concept of cats. Because one of the things, too, that people don't always realize is that uh, there are a lot of cats out there that have issues, especially, I would imagine, feral cats that don't have regular visits to a veterinarian. So we'll talk about how to keep them healthy, since so many of our listeners do have feral cats that are regular visitors in their neighborhood and might want to think about it. And we'll talk about it right here on 1320 WILS. From the studios at a nice farm upstate, it's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show with Rick Cruz and Lee Cohen. It's 9.35 and we're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we've been having a conversation this morning all about vet dentistry and the concept of keeping your animals healthy, safe, clean, a whole lot of stuff. And to talk about it, we've got Dr. Ben Calmery from the Dixborough Veterinary Dental Hospital in Ann Arbor. And, Doc, before the uh, break, I kind of hinted at the felines because we've talked a lot about dogs and dentistry, but I'm sure that you spend more than a fair amount of your time working on cats and theirs. And I'm especially curious about if there are any feral cats that are getting this type of dentistry work since they don't get a lot of vet care, period. Well, that's a great question. And uh, and it, it does bring up uh, uh, a little bit of a uh, awareness of diets and what they're doing and the way they're living and this sort of of thing uh that yes i do have people who are fine feral cats and uh and will will trap and neuter them and you know take care of them and then bring them in there's one person in particular that comes to mind that has something like over the course of the last 10 15 years something like 180 cats some insane number uh, but the thing you have to kind of look at uh, is that if you want to, it cracks me up when people talk about natural diets. A natural diet is when they eat a rabbit or a mouse or some furry creature like that. And what happens from a physiologic standpoint, and I tell people, is that is a natural diet. And there's a great study that's evolving on looking at the microbiome in animals and cats and in dogs. And it turns out, and very briefly, that the answer to the test question has been changed. We used to think that periodontal disease and those problems were an overgrowth of the bad guys or the pathogens. It turns out through studies of Jamie Anderson out of UC Davis that no, it's the opposite. It's not an overgrowth of the pathogens. 
it's a suppression of the commensalance of the good guys. And so then what happens, yeah, the pathogens are there, and the, the, the normal bacteria that would normally be competing with them are reduced in numbers. So that's a total reversal in terms of the concepts. Uh, Jamie Anderson presented a paper at our Dell meeting last October and just kind of melted everybody's brains with, uh, with that uh, uh, presentation. And if you look at feral cats, their microbiome and their, their probiotics, which is uh, a real trend in veterinary medicine, uh, is the gut flora because little mice eat you know, they eat grass and stuff like that and seeds and carnivores eat meat. So that's their natural probiotic. And I think the study of the microbiome and probiotics and, and all of those components in animals' mouths is going to be a game changer for us. And I think maybe in time we'll have silver bullets. So actually, when you talk about feral cats, you know, they, not so bad. The biggest problem they have are busted teeth because they're chasing something and smash into something and bust up a canine tooth. And that's never good. And then they abscess out and faces blow up and, oh, well, you didn't get a root canal, so I guess we've got to kick that tooth out. Yeah. And then, yes, I will see some of the, the feral cats who have some of the viral components uh, that... Uh, you know, especially uh, uh, some of the, the herpes components and the Khaleesi viruses that can certainly affect the oral cavity. And that's kind of a bummer deal uh, with, with those cats, and they'll get into some of these caudal stomatitis things, and uh, and you'll get FIV positive, you know, they have leukemia and uh, AIDS, and you know, but those cats don't last long in the wild, you know, they're they're not getting the support of meds, and so Mother Nature kind of weeds them out, sadly. Right, and what the people don't understand in the stomatitis case, that's an inflammation in the mouth and the tongue, and some of those cats will have, like, open ulcers, like the people that get canker sores, but these things are huge, and, right. and the, the poor cat literally starves to death because of the virus. Mm. Oh, absolutely, and, that's, and that's, that's a, a half of feral cats. Yeah. You know, and that's why we probably don't see, you know, the incidents that we do in companion kitties uh, that are brought in that are, you know, adopted from shelters and all that. Uh, and yeah, it's just it's a it's a big problem in cats. It really is. Yeah, and and in your practice too, do you see many cats? Uh, like I've had to do some full mouth extractions in cats that have uh, uh, gum disease and and. There's one in cats where it basically dissolves. I'm trying to keep it to that level where it dissolves the root of the tooth. And in these poor cats, the pain they have on a daily basis is amazing. So you can, you can look in your cat's mouth and you'll see tartar in these cats, but, but they're also resistant to eat. And once their teeth are gone, they are the happiest little critters on earth. Agreed. Yeah, I'm a referral, and so I get an awful lot of these animals that are fairly high-risk anesthetic patients, and uh, the regular veterinarian doesn't want to do it. And and plus the fact of having done this for too many years, uh, you know, you get pretty speedy at these things and yeah. get in and get to do the deed and, and wake them up. But you're absolutely right uh, that uh, it's pretty dramatic, some of the changes in these cats. I mean, holy smokes. I had uh, a 24, my record currently is a 24-year-old cat that came down from Flint, Michigan that had just a rotten mouth, and uh, 24, and biochemically and cardiovascular-wise, it was in pretty decent shape, and uh, so I knocked this cat down. And it was just a rotor rooter job in this uh, this kitty's mouth. Literally, that's ex- for the people yeah. that are listening. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, and uh, and that cat was up and eating and grooming the next day, and it hadn't done that in months. 
And the biggest problem I had uh, with these people was guilt on the owner's part. If we'd only known, if we'd only known, we would have done this so much sooner. Right. Because it is the fear of anesthesia that keeps an awful lot of people out of the office. uh, uh, And days of old, uh, there might be some truth to that, but not anymore. Not with the new drugs that we have. No, not at all. I was going to mention, uh, just because you brought this topic up, um, we have a store cat that we've had for a dozen years. And when it was just a kitten, this is back when we did actually place kittens in homes and we had a number of them and one had this mouth condition. So instead of ever selling it, we we had the teeth extracted, all of the teeth extracted, or yeah, I believe all of them, right? right. Uh, yeah, and, literally. And and uh, now it's been that way for twelve years. It's a perfectly fine cat. Everybody in the store loves the cat. Her name is Tia. It's in the back. Right? It's the warehouse cat. Um, does not do the mousing that you would like it to do. <laughs> 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 Got to gum him to death. No, nope, but a big fan of soup, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to tell the people that have had this done, we've had cats where we've done this, in, and they literally go home from surgery, and they'll eat hard food. They, yeah. they, they're, Absolutely. Their mouth feels so much better. And yeah. we had this once where the owner was a dentist and was freaked. And I said, look, we have to take all these teeth out. Well, are you going to schedule like five appointments? I said, no, it's going to be a one and done. Well, when a human, blah, 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 you couldn't do it. Uh, this is a cat. And, and the cat needs this done with one anesthesia. Mm-hmm. And so in veterinary medicine, we learn to do things sometimes a little more appropriately timed than in some of the human things, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah not, absolutely. Yeah. But but I, I have to tell you a, a very quick story. I have one of the kitties in my practice that is an absolute toothless wonder. He's an 18-pounder. And I called the owners up to see how he was doing and because uh, he was toothless. And he had pretty severe inflammatory disease in his mouth. And the owner reported, well, he caught a mouse yesterday. <laughs> I said, what? How? Th- what, did he body slam him? Yeah, right. How the hell did he catch this mouse? And he said, well, what he does is he goes out and catches the mouse, brings it in, the, the mouse brings it in, we get the mouse by the tail, we take it back outside and release it. It's a game. This cat goes out and catches this mouse and brings it in. Can you imagine that poor mouse with cat spit all over it? Oh. <laughs> Not a chance. Well, they... Oh, man. So it is amazing how adaptive they really are. And uh, uh, I got lots and lots and lots of stories, but I agree a thousand percent that, first off, that anesthesia should not be uh, a deterrent from working on an animal. Uh, that we can do these things. I do high-risk patients every day, as I'm sure Dr. Schultz has done as well. And it's a whole different ballgame now than it used to be. An inflammatory disease in cats' mouths and in dogs' mouths and, heck, any creature's mouths uh, is a deterrent to their health. Oh, absolutely. And, yes, it's a contributory factor to a lot of other problems. Maybe not necessarily cause it, but certainly aggravate uh, existing things. And, you know, just for instance, uh, stop and think about it. You have racing greyhounds on the track, and they typically have pretty poor oral cavities. And you wonder why they slow down and their joints get sore. That bacteria in their body goes to their joints, the bacteria in the bloodstream, and you get these degenerative changes in their joints. It hurts. Of course I'm not going to run. Yeah, right. Amazing, amazing yeah. how that works. And those track, and those track animals, uh, the difference one or two seconds on that whole track is the whole difference between running and not being run. Yeah, so exactly. It, it's such a fine line between a, between a good racing one and a non-racing one. 
absolutely. But you know, I it see you know, you see those because de- they'll get adopted out and they bring them into the office, and you look at these poor dogs and they're wonderful animals. Oh my yeah, golly, those sweet. racing greyhounds are the best, and you think, oh man, you know. Yeah. There's some teeth that need to go bye-bye. Yeah, well, we got we got to race into a break. <laughs> yeah, we do. So we'll do, do that. <laughs> Dr. Comery, we do need to take a break. But when we come back from the break, I'd like to talk about uh, some of the advice that you've got for owners of animals as far as proper dental care and how to take care of them. So we'll have that conversation right after the break on 1320 WILS. It's the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show with Rick Cruz and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking this morning all about vet dentistry with Dr. Ben Colmery from the Dixborough Veterinary Dental Center in Ann Arbor. And Dr. Colmery, for this last segment, let's get into some of the basics because you've got people out there that are getting new puppies, they're getting new kittens, they're they might have older ones, but now they're starting to notice things that they hadn't noticed before. So let's get your primer on how do we keep the, the, the mouths clean, healthy, and the animals happy. Sure. It starts when they're puppies. And the very first thing a person can do uh, is get, the, whether it's a dog or cat, get them used to you fooling around in the mouth, lift the lips uh, with puppies, you know, because they have no clue what's going on. You know, take a take a, a finger brush or a washcloth or even your own finger and fiddle with their teeth a little bit and give them a treat. And then next day, fiddle with their teeth a little bit and give them a treat. Have these animals used to you opening their mouth and looking and seeing what's going on. Uh, that's because if you wait until they're sore and they're painful when they're a couple of years old, Good luck doing yeah, that. Yeah. And uh, so it's really key to, to start when they're very young and puppies and very impressionable and be kind. I mean, don't torture the poor things, but uh, uh, just flip the lips and, and, and run your finger over the gums uh, uh, and, uh, and get abused to that. And the other you, thing, too. You, I'm sorry. Do you recommend when you're doing that to use like uh, baking soda or toothpaste? Not with their puppies. Right, okay. No, with their puppies, because you're really not going to have much in the way of, of disease. You sure as heck better not. And if you do at that age, then you're in a whole world of hurt. Uh, but it's also to to monitor tooth eruption, because one of the problems, uh, obviously, with small breed dogs, they retain deciduous teeth, and that can really booger up their occlusion and their bites when they're adults, and you get teeth that are pushed off to the side of the adults or where they're not supposed to be. So as these animals are aging uh, from well, four to maybe seven, eight months of age, uh, you want to make sure those baby teeth, uh, especially in small breed dogs, are falling out on the floor. Uh, and if they're not, and if I say, wait a minute, that looks like there's a big tooth coming in next to that little skinny guy. What's up with that? You know, you can do some interceptive stuff and and get some of those baby teeth out of there to allow the adult teeth to erupt into uh, a much better position, and it's going to save a lot of grief and aggravation down the road. Right. Uh, retained deciduous teeth is a big deal, and there's lots of reasons for that. Uh, certainly genetics is part of it, but also a lot of it is just body size. Yeah. Cats don't have quite so much of a problem with retained deciduous teeth. Uh, uh, every once in a blue moon, I'll have a kitty come in, but but not very often. They tend to be a little bit more forgiving because you're not trying to 
cram 42 teeth in cats' mouths is you only have 30. Dogs right. have 42 and, teeth. And, so. and so it's going to be a smaller breed, though, dog, that would yeah. norm- be yeah. typical of this. Yeah, yeah. you know, you get a Labrador Retriever that comes in, and it's, it's pretty rare for them to ever have a problem. But the whole idea is to pay attention to the oral cavities, to take a look, to take a peek, and prevent problems down the road. And, and, and these should also be washed as you're taking your dog in for its puppy vaccines. And usually at neutering age, if you haven't looked, any vet doing that should always do an oral exam before that dog's neutered. Absolutely, a and, thousand percent agree. And, and that a Amen lot of times, that. that's about the correct age to, to remove these teeth if they need to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they're deciduous teeth that haven't fallen out, get them out get of there. Get them out, right. Now, and, and in yeah. an adult, so you do recommend uh, using toothpaste, tooth powder? What do you recommend for that? Yeah, yeah and then, sure. And then once the adult teeth erupt, and, you know, you're probably about maybe 12 to 14 months of age in that ballpark, uh, uh, there's a plethora of products on the market. And the one thing I have people, I tell people, if you want to try something, make sure it has the veterinary oral health care seal on it. It's a VOHC. That means that the product has been evaluated and it does what it says it does. It costs the manufacturers a lot of money to get that certification. It's not just pay at the desk. And they're evaluated by experts to see, does this product really do what it says it does? Because right. it's an independent group that evaluates it. It's not the manufacturer. It's a different group that, that looks at the product and uh, evaluates it. Uh, sure, uh, there are lots of things. Uh, my, my current, and the operative word is current, because who knows what's going to be on the market tomorrow. Uh, but I'm a big fan of a product called Pet Smile. Uh, that uh, all they have to do is lick it off a stick. And the way that product works is it prevents bacterial attachment on to the tooth surface. So it interferes with the very first stages of gingivitis and periodontal disease and all that good stuff. Good. Uh, from a chew treat standpoint, there's lots of them out there. Uh, but I'm a fan of a product called Yummy Combs. It's Y-U-M-M-Y-C-O-M-B-S, Yummy Combs. It's one of the first products on the planet that actually makes sense in terms of a chew treat. And yeah, give them one every day or two, and uh, that helps. And I, it's been on the market now for a couple of years or so, and uh, I'll see some of these animals that will come in, and if they are uh, getting the yummy combs on a regular basis, it's a different dog in the mouth. I mean, I've had some that are calculus factories, and they'll come in and say, is this the same dog? Holy smokes. Look at my records. And then, I mean... It was a disaster area the last time, and there's not much on those teeth now. Excellent. Yeah, Fluffy loves those yummy combs. That's, that's well, good. Don't stop. Right. Uh, I tell people the, on the no-no list, which is job security for me, nyla bones, cow hooves, antlers, and regular bones. Uh, I really am not a fan of those because they bust up teeth on them. Yeah, and the people and that then, need to look, it's, it's, a, it's a big tooth. It looks like a big molar, but it's actually a premolar on the top of these big dogs. And that is the tooth. It's, it's called a slab fracture, and it is incredibly common in dogs that are, what do you think, over 40 pounds? It's pretty common. That, that's the most common fracture I see in a dog's mouth. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and as, as I said, uh, the Nylobone Corporation is not very happy with me. I don't get any Christmas cards <laughs> from them. <laughs> yeah, we would always warn people about those kind of chew toys because it, yeah. that's a classic. You're going to see that tooth fractured, and then it's either a root canal or removal. You've got It's painful for them to eat with that tooth broken. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, but yes, and so what do the dogs do? They eat on the other side. 
Yeah. Oh, Fluffy still eats just fine. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. I mean, I had a dog in yesterday with uh, pretty impressive abscesses on all three tooth roots uh, on that tooth. And, uh, and you know, Fluffy's eating fine. It doesn't seem to be painful. And I look at that and I said, if that was me, I'd be in a fetal position on the floor. And, you know? Yeah. And, and people don't understand that when dogs are raised, when we cry, we're coddled. When dogs cry in a litter, the mom says, look, uh, you're, something's wrong. I'm going to take care of everybody else. But dogs interiorize that a lot, I guess is a good way to say it. So just because they're happy and doing eating and eating their treats does not mean their mouth's in good shape. You've got to look at it. Oh, absolutely. It's a survival instinct. Right. You know, they back then when they were dinosaurs, you know, those that stopped eating died. And they're, sort of, right. they're out of the gene pool. Like we right. talked genetics a little bit earlier. And so their behavior is to survive and also mask their discomfort. They're pack animals. They need to let the pack know, I'm fine, nothing wrong here, don't mess with me. They need to let that raptor hiding behind a tree know, <laughs> I'm fine, don't mess with me. <laughs> you can't see me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, you know, and that's that's the problem is that they just, it's, it's a survival instinct and that's what they do. And yes, they internalize it and they don't let the world know. And uh, it just, it's frustrating as can be, but then when you get that animal that you get those abscess teeth out of there and, you know, fix them, and they start doing things they haven't done in a couple of years and playing with balls and toys that they haven't played with in a long time, and then you realize. That's, again, it's the guilt on the owner's part. If we'd only known. And, and do you also see some of these that have, uh, like, like the older cats sometimes, they get the bad breath. Um, and some older dogs. So some people, sometimes that's stomach-related, but it's very always, you know, you have to look at the mouth first to make sure. Oh, absolutely. And it goes back to that microbiome and uh, the, you know, the flora of bacteria that's that's in the mouth. Uh, and, yeah, some of them are pretty significant hydrogen sulfide formers, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty gross. Yeah. You know, and then some of them will come in and, you know, you walk, you just open the exam room door. And, oh, I've done that. I've done yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I tell you. All righty then. And, and that dog and sleeps the, on their bed. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Yeah, how, how do they put up with that? <laughs> well, it's funny you bring that up because I knew someone who had named his dog Halsey and my friend changed his name to Halsitosis because <laughs> yeah. bottom line is every time you walked in Halsey. the room, that's what you could smell. Dr. Colmery, we, we need to thank you so much for joining us again this year. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, and we appreciate all that you do for the animals, and we wish you a great 2024 and look forward to speaking with you again in 2025 great. Uh, if we can. So thanks so much. Well, it sounds like a plan. I really appreciate the effort that you people put on to get pet health dental health awareness out there. I mean, it's it's a good thing. I agree. But on behalf of our producer, Bruce Warner, my co-host in the studio, Rick Pruce, and Dr. Will Schultz's Lee Cohen, wishing all of you a great weekend, a great weekend. We'll talk next weekend. See you later, alligator.